Well, welcome into another episode of Miked Up on a beautiful Monday morning with Mellow and Big Country, brought to you by Mid America RV. Holy hell, that was a lot of M's. Here comes some more. Why work from home when your office could be in Yellowstone 2022 will be the year to rediscover the outdoors. Mid-America RV is your gateway to adventure with their diverse selection of travel trailers, fifth wheels, teardrops, and toy haulers. They have the right size RV for any vehicle, all covered by their exclusive RV warranty forever. Game days, remote work, getaways, and family vacations, all better in an RV from Mid-America RV. Experience travel like you never have before. Find out more at MidAmericaRV.com. Big country, we had another exceptional weekend in sports. And as I've been preaching for the last, oh, three, four years since I've been doing this, College football is so much better than the NFL, and I think it once again proved that on Saturday. We had Alabama versus Georgia. Uh, I believe I said it on the Friday podcast episode. This is really, this was the national championship, and Alabama comes out and just reminds everyone, hey, we're still Alabama. Yeah, and I remember you used to make that comment about, yeah, hey, college football is better than the NFL, and I was like, dude, come on, whatever. Not a lot of people believed me. It very much is right now. The NFL has been so boring to watch the last couple of weeks. Some people might go, what about that Raven-Steelers game? Well, well, we'll get to that in a little bit. You know, there's some other big moments in the NFL, but you're right. In college football, it was, it was a crazy weekend. Michigan wins the Big Ten. That was awesome to see. Cincinnati gets a big win. But Alabama just destroying Georgia. What in the world happened? Georgia, yeah, I, no one has been able to score on them all year. Alabama right? almost loses to Auburn. And then you come into this matchup. And Georgia just can't get it done. It's once again, they get to the SEC championship game and look awful. That Georgia defense had not allowed 20 points to anyone all season. And they they had an SEC schedule. I don't know if I call it a tough schedule, but they had an SEC schedule, but they also played Clemson to start the year. No team had scored 20 points on them. Uh, Tennessee had it with 17. That was the most points scored. Alabama dropped 24 in the second quarter. Like, I know we can look at the score before halftime and be like, oh, man, 24 points more before half. That's really good. They did all of it in the second quarter, though. And, you know, I had a lot of questions about Bryce Young, uh, if he was going to be the Heisman guy or not, what was going to happen there. Uh, you want to crown him? Crown their ass. That dude is fucking good at football. And I think that he had his big moment that I think everybody, myself included, was looking for uh, because he did. He came out and he played very well against Georgia. He was getting it done on the ground. I, I think it, what's sad is like the, the Heisman moment that everyone's going to use for him is when he scrambled out and he pitched the ball to a running back. Like he had so many great throws on Saturday that people should be looking at it and be like, oh my gosh, that was phenomenal. But it is. It's that him scrambling around, pitches the ball to the running back play that everybody's talking about. But it was great. And I feel bad for Georgia fans, but you're, you still have a chance. And mm-hmm. I think that set up very nicely. I know a lot of people on Saturday on Twitter were reacting to the games as well as myself. And as soon as Oklahoma State lost to Baylor, a lot of people started talking about, oh, my gosh, Notre Dame might be able to get in. Like everybody's trying to rally around Marcus Freeman, which I love. I get it. But I do think a lot of people forgot that Alabama had a very good chance in this game. And they do. They come out and win. And with the college football rankings, I like the way that it ended up. I do think we got the four best teams in there. And I know a lot of people were talking shit on Alabama. They're a two-loss team. They can't go in, whatever. We know they're one of the top four teams in the nation. And I was saying that before the game was over. And then they went out and proved it. But I I like the way that it goes. And I like that we're not going to have an Alabama-Georgia rematch just yet. Yeah. So I'll be frank. I had to go to a wedding on Saturday night, so I didn't get to watch this game. And I had people coming up to me like, hey, what's the score? Like, keep me updated on what's going on. I was like, dude, I don't have service out here in the boondocks in a freaking barn that's just redesigned to be brick. Like, the Big Bad Wolf's not blowing down this barn because it is all brick. It's so like had- uh, Yellowstone. You probably didn't get to watch Yellowstone either. No. We're like, hey, we're going to host weddings out here. That's not a bad idea. Fun yeah, yeah, it's a good way. To, I eventually want to do that one day. Just buy some land, have a giant barn, and host weddings at it. <laughs> Straight cash, homie. That's what that brings in. But I didn't get to see this game, so I want to ask you, what was something that surprised you the most in the matchup between Alabama and Georgia, besides obviously Alabama just scoring a ton of points on that defense? Uh, I guess something that just surprises me is how well the Alabama – offense did do in the passing game too they didn't have much of a running game they've got a lot of running backs that are really banged up there so even that like for me when I still think about Alabama football it's play really good defense and run the ball and they didn't even have to do that they just aired it out Bryce Young throws the ball 44 times 
Uh, Jamison Williams really stand out, stood out to me too. Um, as a guy who was the number four receiver at Ohio State and then decided to transfer, he's been very, very good all season long, though. That speed is going to be something that NFL scouts, I think, are going to really be looking out for with him. Uh, and, but, you know, even with Georgia on that side of the ball, I was still pretty impressed with what they're able to do. And I was kind of poking some fun at them, too. I mean, they're doing this with a walk-on quarterback. Like, he's probably on scholarship now. But Stetson Bennett is the quarterback at Georgia, and they're still able to be a top-four-ranked team without playing a good quarterback. They have a couple on roster. I had some people throwing shade at me this weekend, like, oh, well, actually, they have a five-star. Yeah, I fucking know that. You do that, Um, Brian Kelly. That Southern accent came out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, (laughs) but they they do. They have these quarterbacks. They don't like to play them. I I don't know what. Um, they're thinking there, but they have good quarterbacks on roster. They're not playing them, but the offensive line is still very good. And even watching a guy like Will Anderson, who I think should be a Heisman candidate, he played well, but he didn't have like that difference making play. He he came on late, but still, I thought they were able to handle him pretty well. And this Georgia team is still very good. And looking at you know the future of college football, the rest of the season. That game against Michigan is going to be very, very good. The two versus three matchup. I've been doubting Michigan for six years. Keep that same energy. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm not changing my tune. <laughs> not against Georgia, that's for sure. But I, I will put some respect on their name. They played very well against Iowa this weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't think Iowa is good, but you play the team that's in front of you, and they handled their business very well, winning forty-two to three. And I know they had a patch for uh, the young man who passed away uh, uh, to the high school shooting, mm-hmm. and his number was 42. I know you're big on oh. – you are the biggest on that. Hey, Kobe. You know what I mean? It's like that situation of – was it Anthony Davis in the playoffs where he released the ball and there's .8 left on the shot clock, and once it goes in, like once it went in the basket, there's 24 seconds left, something along that line. But It, it was, was just, something stupid like that. <laughs> love it. Yeah, and I, good for Michigan, good for uh, Harbaugh, I guess. I do think they have a very good team. They have a very good defense. They run the ball well. I think that's going to match up well against Georgia. And another one of these conference games that we had this weekend was Cincinnati. That game was a little bit close for a little while, and then Cincinnati pulls away. And uh, this is a, a team that represents all of the group of five. Every group of five team ever, that's who you're representing now for Cincinnati. And good luck, because all those signs over the last 10 years that say, we want Bama, congratulations. The committee looked at it and said, you know what? You want them? You got it. Here you go. <laughs> Did you see that they actually reversed and said, Bama wants us? <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I love it, because it was like, it originally said, like, we want Bama, and then uh-huh. they crossed out the we want, and then it was like, Bama, and they wrote, wants us underneath it. I'm like, Okay. Love it. Like, that's the type of energy and stuff that gets me going. This is like, was it Coach O walking in UCLA with that sissy blue before they get their ass kicked? And uh-huh. you think if you call them a sissy blue, you better kick their butt. I'm thinking the same thing with Cincinnati. But realistically, I've learned my lesson a couple times this year with that. Cincinnati's probably going to kill this game. And it's going to be tough that they finally make the playoff. They get a, a little bit of respect that they deserve for the last couple seasons that they've had and how everything has gone for them. And now you've got to play Alabama. Who yeah. just destroyed Georgia, which we all know. We've already talked about it. But it's like now Alabama has everything figured out and they're ready to go. Here's Cincinnati just sitting in the way. Yeah. It's it's a little bit of a Cinderella story, but like if it didn't work out for Cinderella. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if the prince was actually like, No, I'm good. I like, yeah, yeah, I found your slipper, but the night wasn't that good for How's me. How's your sister? And it's like <laughs> yeah. you should go do her laundry because she uh-huh. looked really good in that dress. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'll be pulling for Cincinnati. I don't know that they have a realistic chance. And I've been the guy all year long that's like, this is a good team. They deserve to be in the top four. I think they're a top four team. I don't think they're going to beat Alabama, though. Uh, but we'll see. I, I will tell you, I can already feel it in my bones. This game will happen at the end of December, um, New Year's Eve, actually. If Cincinnati's playing well, it's going to be hard for me to not root for them. Oh, 100%. And that's nothing against Alabama or Nick Saban. I really like that program, too. But I would like to see Cincinnati do it. Oh, yeah, we've already seen it. Like We've seen Alabama do this several times. <laughs> we do want that true Cinderella story in Cincinnati. The fact that they've made it and then you get to face. And this is like a David and Goliath type of story. Forget yeah. Cinderella now. They, that was them last year. Right now, they're David. Here comes yep. Alabama Goliath. All you got needs one stone. We'll I don't see. know what I just. All you got need. Yeah, one opportunity. All you need is one stone. 
<laughs> yeah. One chance. One opportunity. I, I, you know, college football, it's so great. All the bowls that are getting announced, too, are, are wonderful. I, I don't know if you got to see any of the ACC game. I wasn't watching it because I was watching the Big Ten game. But I did want to talk about one play that happened, and that's that Kenny Pickett fake slide. Uh, and I thought that Dave Clawson from Wake Forest did a really good job in the press conference because Kenny Pickett is running. He's about 20 yards downfield. And he goes to initiate his slide and then decides last minute, oh, actually, no, I'm going to keep running. Yep. And you can see all the defenders let up. And they're like, oh, okay, he's sliding. We know we can't touch him. Then he doesn't slide, and he runs for like 58 yards for a touchdown. And after the game, Dave Clawson said, like, yeah, that's something the NCAA is really going to have to look at. But as of right now, there's no rule in place against it. So he could have been very pissed off about it, but he wasn't. Uh, so hats off to him. But I do agree. This is something the NCAA – we'll have to look at and probably the NFL too. I don't know if they have a rule in place. I know that it's like when you initiate the slide, that's when you're down, but he didn't actually slide. So I don't think you can call him down, but I think it's a risky move for quarterbacks too. Yeah. I could, a I mean, lot of these guys are not going to be looking for the slide anymore. So like they're going to make sure it's not fake and that somebody's going to get their head knocked off. I, yeah. Cause they're going to put their shoulder right where their stomach's going to be to just lay him out. And that's where a helmet's going to be in the middle of your slide. Yeah, so it's like thank you, Kenny Pickett, for getting someone else murdered because you just can't go down like that. Hopefully, it was it, a great play. It was cool. I don't know how he was physically capable of doing that. I feel like my knee would have exploded with like the downward angle and then popping it back up to go back into a sprint. Next big country challenge? No, absolutely not. I like my knees right now. They're fine. <laughs> it I can still me. jump and touch a rim at my size. I'm happy with that. <laughs> I'm not trying to blow them out. It reminded me of kids in like uh, t-ball or uh, coach pitch baseball when you're learning how to slide and you get that kid who's like ah, i'm not ready yeah <laughs> i'm not ready to just throw my body onto the ground like that i'm gonna stay up and i'm gonna round third okay uh, but it was interesting and hopefully they're proactive on this and they're not gonna be like yeah let's wait until somebody actually gets hit really hard um but it's football's such a copycat sport yeah whether it's coaching or playing any of it somebody else is gonna try this like the next time we have a game like army navy this weekend somebody's probably gonna try it or, you know, in some of these bowl games that are coming up, somebody's going to try it and it's not going to work out well for them. And, or like you said, like somebody's going to tear an ACL doing that. It's, yeah. It's a risky It move. looked very uncomfortable. Again, props to you for being able to do it, Mr. Two Glove Kenny. But I just, I don't like it. I didn't like it. It was kind of one of those deals where I was like, okay, that's cool. Like, it to kind be of feels, honest, it feels like a cheap like play. play. Yeah. Like, don't do that. Like, you know, the defense is already worrisome about being able to hit you. Like, don't take advantage of that. Now, one time when I was coaching still at the high school level, we had a punt returner who was pretty good. He wasn't like a small, athletic, shifty punt returner. It was, I mean, this is 5A Missouri football. Mm-hmm. He's six foot three, about 190 pounds. Oh He's a big kid. He plays safety. He was known to be a hard-hitting safety, too. But he was also the punt returner. And he took a punt return once in a playoff game. I think it was a playoff game, or it was late. I know it was freezing cold outside. And he looks like he's angling for the sideline. Like, okay, I'm about to get tackled. I'm just going to take this one to the Mm -hmm. sideline. At the very last second, the defender that is chasing him to the sideline, like an angle drill, lets up and is like, okay, this kid's running out of bounds. Last second, changes his mind. And he hit that kid full force, 6'3", 190. The kid that was tackling him, shorter than 5'10", maybe 150 pounds. Oh, man. Just mowed him right over <laughs> and then ended up getting knocked out of bounds. But, I mean, that kid got hit so hard. <laughs> you got to be careful with stuff like that. Yeah, keep your head on swivel. So coaches <laughs> always preach. You never know. Yeah, play through the whistle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> until you get you know a penalty for it. I, I saw who was it? Somebody from the Raiders, I think, was complaining about NFL calls and like you're protecting the quarterbacks, you're doing all this, but look at the way that I'm getting tackled. Like, yeah, Kenyon Drake, and I yeah. completely agree with that because I I hate those. Tackles. I do too. I've been noticing they like picked up like what three years ago. We saw it a lot in the open field. Like safeties would just grab the shoulders and then just drop their weight, and like the legs mm-hmm. just get buckled underneath. And I hate that type of tackling. No, it it drives me nuts. Like I feel like it's a newer thing. I don't remember ever watching that grow, growing up. Like I close my eyes and I'm like, oh God, please don't be hurt. Yep. Please don't just. But I mean, like that's an awful way to get your ankle snapped too. Oh, it's because yeah. their body weight's just coming through. And it, like, I mean, everything you said on that post was absolutely correct. I mean, we got guys with severe ankle sprains right now, broken ankles, broken legs because this type of tackling keeps happening. These are big, strong dudes. Like everything happens so quickly, bones are gonna snap. 
Yeah. The NFL, I truly agree, does need to fix something about that. Yeah, instead of looking at taunting calls and yeah, things get like out that. Of here. And you know, I I am kind of on the opposite of side of most people when it comes to the taunting calls. There was one yesterday where JJ Watt. I don't even know if he was talking trash. And now the ref was right there. He could definitely hear it better than I could. But I mean, he looked at the guy he tackled for about a split second <laughs> and they threw a flag. And I thought like, what the hell? Like, how's that not okay? Like, that's fine. He was maybe tra- talking trash, maybe not. But then in the Chiefs game, you were there last night. Mm-hmm. You get a guy like Dan Sorensen who does a high step into the end zone for 20 yards. And it's like, no, nah, that's cool. Yeah. Like, yeah oh, there's get, no other player around to be offended. Like, yeah, come it, on. You, like, if you look at those two plays, no one would be like, oh, yeah, that one's taunting <laughs> yeah. the celebration for the touchdown. I honestly, I bet it just refs, doesn't make sense. I bet the refs were probably pretty aware of like just the absolute hatred the fan base has built towards Dirty Dan so far this season. It was like, we're going to let him have this moment. Yeah, you know, he's going to be gone. Yeah. Let him get his one <laughs> yeah. in there. Uh, a little bit more college football news, though. We saw another crazy weekend. Uh, two more coaches getting hired uh, today, this morning, actually. And one that I definitely want to talk about is Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator at Clemson, has been named the head coach at Oklahoma. This was another situation where I one thing that I've loved about this coaching carousel is the people that are getting dunked on. And it's happening a lot today, this morning. <laughs> Brent Venables named the head coach at Oklahoma. Mario Cristobal looks like he's going to be named the head coach at the University of Miami. And there have been so many people that have said, like, no, Venables is not trying to leave. He wants to be a defensive coordinator. All that other shit. No, it's false. He's gone. <laughs> he's going to Oklahoma. And I know a lot of Oklahoma fans are excited about this. I wanted to get your reaction, too. We are Texas fans. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about this. Yeah, I, I love this hire. I'm right there with all the OU fans. Like, hell yeah. Let's celebrate together, I'm guys. I'm not scared of him. Like, that is a no. where it's like, okay, cool. Everyone's like, welcome back. I was like, why do you leave? You went to go be a defensive coordinator at Clemson. They had their success there. One bad yeah. year, and now he's going to Oklahoma. Yep. It will- I, it, like, Oklahoma's in just so much turmoil right now. They're just happy they got a coach. And like you said, as Texas fans, it's great that we just get to go, all right. Not a name to be at. Like, I feel like we were more terrified of Lincoln Riley because we didn't have any freaking clue who this guy was. And we knew it was more of like, a, okay, hey, offense looks good. Stoops, you know, he's been the guy here. But, like, this Lincoln Riley, he's young, up and coming. Stoops pretty much retired so he could just step in and be the coach, right? Like, it was like, bam, bam, oh, no. With this one, it's like, huh, sweet, we might be on the same level heading into the SEC. We're both going to stink together. <laughs> right. And I want to see how he does with recruiting. And I know that I've poked fun at this, but I do. I also mean it. I don't know that I can trust a guy to be my head coach that needs a get back coach. Yeah. There is literally, they have to employ a person to make sure he doesn't run out onto the field or that he's not too far out onto the field. This is something that I've been talking about for a long time. I thought it was stupid when he was a defensive coordinator. You are a grown ass man and you have to be harnessed up. You are put on a like literal leash. So another man can keep you off the field. That's the guy that's supposed to preach accountability and discipline <laughs> and everything that you want from a head coach. And it's like, wait a second. I, you know I can't stay off the field. What are you doing? Yeah, it just, it been, looks ridiculous. I've been I, very interactive on Twitter with like a lot of Oklahoma and Michigan stuff lately. So that's all my Twitter feed is with Twitter just giving these suggestions or like, Topics you might want to follow. So I've gotten every bit of Michigan celebrating winning the Big Ten, which is phenomenal. But it's also been the same thing with Oklahoma with the higher Brett Venables last night on the way back from Kansas City. And it was like there's several old players from Oklahoma that are like, this is a coach I would have loved to play for. He always had us ready to run through a brick wall. That's awesome. But that message can also go stale very quickly if you are not winning football games. And oh, yeah. I feel like if you're in a living room of a family and you're trying to give this hoorah type of speech, some parents might not really read into that or just be like, all right, BS, dude, my kid's not going here. And the talent level is going to drop at Oklahoma if he can't get the recruiting done. And we'll see how he does with these high school recruits. I'm sure that energy is going to come through. You're going to get some crazy linebacker that's like all about it. You're also going to get some quarterback that's like, no, that is a crazy man. I am not going here <laughs> to play. And we've already seen so many Oklahoma recruits dip out and leave. I saw another one yesterday, a linebacker flipped from Oklahoma to Texas. Like, oh, all right. Let's <laughs> hey, go. He's like the him. number three middle linebacker in the country. 
I'll take that all day. Yeah, but, no joke. Uh, we'll see what happens with Venables, how he's able to recruit there, how he's able to coach and manage the rest. I mean, he's a good defensive coordinator. I'll give him that. They've been very successful at Clemson. But I do think a lot of it is a Clemson roster is better than most rosters in college football. Yeah, It's kind of easy to be a very good coach when you're pulling in five stars, that you know, three deep at every position. Yep. So we'll see what happens. But I will say, uh, Oklahoma fans, they're excited. Texas fans are excited about it, too. Uh, we'll see which one of us is right. I hope it's Look us. Look at us just all being happy together. You know, <laughs> like, first time who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> uh, other fans that are not happy are the Oregon fans, though. There have been a lot of rumors about Mario Cristobal leaving Oregon to go to Miami, where he is an alum. And so many people have shut it down, and I, I'll just call him out. Uh, Jeff Schwartz has been the biggest of them. Okay. Literally right. I'm glad and you went there because- verbally, like yep. size-wise and, and uh, volume-wise, and has been just saying for days now that like, he's not leaving Oregon. It- oh, freaking weeks. And I have not – I've so badly wanted to just comment and be like, hey, Jeff, I love you. Appreciated your time in the NFL with the Chiefs. Da-da-da. This is me just being over-charismatic because what I'm about to say, I feel like it's going to be very rude. He had a great career at Oregon. NFL didn't really quite work out. You trying to say that Oregon is a better job than Miami is fucking asinine. Like, come on. Like, oh, you got Nike right here in your back pocket. Cool. It's Miami, Florida. I was there for three days, (laughs) and I still fucking dream about it. It was incredible. Yeah. And I get to go coach there and deal with, like, the money there. The school's going to be backing up the football program. If I can have success in Oregon – Buddy, we're going to have a hell of a time here in Miami. And again, it's Miami. It's, it's return home, too. Yeah. So it's not even like I get it. Like, you're right. Miami is beautiful, and I couldn't believe how much I loved it when I was there. There's also something to going back home, the program that you've always loved, mm-hmm. going there. And I, I think that a lot of people, uh, Jeff Schwartz particularly, failed to, like, remember that or realize that. It would be the same thing, like, if he were coaching somewhere else and Oregon was like, hey, by the way, we want. Oh, exactly. You know, if you were at, like, LSU and for Jeff Schwartz and then Oregon said, hey, come home, be our head coach. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It really so does. So that move didn't surprise me. What did surprise me is the way that Miami handled the situation with Manny Diaz, which is absolutely ridiculous, just stringing this guy along. I mean, as of, I think, Sunday morning, he was still going out on recruiting trips and talking to kids about coming to Miami. And then Monday morning, he finally gets fired. We knew this was coming for weeks. Yeah. No. I feel really bad for him because that is an awkward situation. I mean, it was the same thing with Mario Cristobal, though, because it was uh, the other day, or I think it might have been yesterday, I, I saw – yeah, it was last night, actually. Excuse me. There's a kid on Twitter saying, like, excited to go to, to Oregon. And you go to his profile, and he's like, football player at Oregon University. And Mario was in the living room with his entire family, younger siblings, mom yeah. and dad, holding up to O. And it's like uh, – <laughs> He ain't gonna be there. Right. He like, did a he, press conference yesterday too for their bowl game because it was they're in the Alamo Bowl and it's Oregon versus Oklahoma. And it was like the two head coaches <laughs> will join us and people. I think it was Paige uh, was even like, um, "What coaches? <laughs> yeah, who's who's gonna be there? Is Brett is Brett already in Norman? Uh, no, it was Bob Stoops was the other one <laughs> doing the press conference. And so I mean, looking back at it now, you had Mario Cristobal and Bob Stoops there. Neither one of them will be coaching. <laughs> hey, so uh, are you excited about the bowl game? I don't know. Not going to be there. Magic Johnson. <laughs> Which game. one's it's Miami? And, uh, and I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. It is crazy. And these coaches do catch a lot of flack for how they have to leave these positions. I think that's a lot of the nature of the business is that you do. Like up until the point to where it's official, you're still doing your job for your university. And so I mean, what do you want them to do? Be like, hey, <laughs> there are rumors I might go somewhere else. So I'm just going to stop recruiting. And then what if you do change your mind? Like a guy like Mario Cristobal, I do really think that he's taken a lot of time to figure out what he wants to do. Does he want to stay at an Oregon program that he's helped uh, build and maintain? Or does he want to go home? I think that he's stuck between two really good decisions. So he continued to do his job until the last minute. Do you think any coaches maybe slip up? Like let's say you're Mario and you're sitting in the living room like, hey, you know, we're going to have a great time. You're going to love it here. The campus of Miami is just absolutely beautiful. And they're just <laughs> right. like, wait, what? What was that, like, Coach? Go Ducks. <laughs> yeah, because kind of sounded like you said Miami. I'll yeah. guarantee that it has happened. <laughs> and I bet it was Brian Kelly that did it. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> the rumors are Brian so Kelly strong, was, he was in California recruiting right yeah. when he found out. And then I just heard this morning that they left the offensive coordinator there. Because Brian Kelly, like, I'm actually taking the job at LSU. I got to go. I guess you can just continue this recruitment. Or does Brian Kelly just 
drop off the OC at the hotel, go right back to that kid's place and go, hey, uh, I know I was here about Notre Dame about 10 minutes ago, but what about this uh, LSU program? Yeah. You know, pretty special. <laughs> he steps too. out, takes a phone call, comes back in, and he's wearing an LSU shirt. <laughs> You're like, wait, what the fuck, coach? Uh, <laughs> you had it underneath the, the sweater the entire time? <laughs> we yeah. be prepared. That's, That's a nice says. purple undershirt you got there, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it is. Absolutely crazy. Another place you can get some great undershirts or maybe even overshirts, minersandmonroe.com. Go visit them uh, online, on the line, minersandmonroe.com. Use the code MikeDup10. Save yourself 10% off at checkout. We mention it all the time if you're not familiar. A lot of great clothing there, but so many other great apothecary goods too. Lotions, um, tattoo balm. What kind of goods were those? Apothecary goods. That's actually pretty impressive that you can Inside say that. Inside joke, apothecary Goods, wallets, boots, belts, all kinds of hats, watches, pretty much anything that you could look for that is a part of your body, they have at Miners and Monroe. Especially head to toe, that's it. Uh, Gunspot.com, be sure to visit them for all your gun and ammo needs, no reserved auctions. Uh, The great thing about that website is you can get anything on there and maybe even a cannon. And the reason why I bring up a cannon is because Quinn Ewers, we didn't get to it in the first segment, has an absolutely cannon of an arm and is in the transfer portal. He was committed to Texas, decommits, goes to Ohio State, leaves early so he can go get paid, makes his money, doesn't get an opportunity. Now he's in the transfer portal, leaving Ohio State, and bub, come back home. Like we're talking about all these comeback home stories. Right. That's it right here with Quinn. Uh-huh. Just, we've forgotten about it. It's fine. Come home. Let's, let's have some fun here. The like, main umbrella theme of college football this season is like never say never because <laughs> yeah. all these people will be like Mario Cristobal's not leaving, Brent Venables not leaving, Quinn Ewers won't transfer. Yeah, yes, <laughs> there's a very good possibility that it goes the opposite way that you think, especially now with the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, if Quinn Ewers would have committed to Ohio State, he was probably staying at Ohio State for a while. But I, I, you couldn't look at that quarterback room and think, oh, there's no way he'll transfer. Like mm-hmm. take off your fandom just blinders that you have on and look at the situation as a whole. Um, I do think that he did what was best for him. You can't hate him for that. Uh, he was committed to Ohio State, thought he would go there next year, and then had an opportunity to make one million dollars, and he did it at like seven. I don't know if he's eighteen. He's got to be eighteen, right? Like you have to. Yeah, be seventeen, least- eighteen years old. Yeah, already making a million dollars off name, image, likeness. So I know that Ohio State fans probably upset that he's leaving you still have cj stroud (laughs) who's going to be a heisman finalist and you have another four-star recruit that just uh, like signed up Uh uh-huh so you're going to be fine ryan day will find you another one and quinn ewers in the transfer portal which is very exciting for us too but um i think also for everybody because this is the highest rated quarterback or player since vince young he has almost a, a perfect score according to 24-7 Sports, that does uh, that recruiting composite, which well, is absolutely ridiculous. That is ridiculous, but I don't know how we can look at this kid's haircut and be like, yeah, that's a perfect score. I know. I like, wanted That to would just it. knock down a point for me. Like, <laughs> I wanted to tweet it yesterday when I heard that he was in the portal, but I, on the chance that like, he might see my tweet and be like, oh, that guy's a Texas fan. Screw you. Yeah. I didn't, but I wanted to say was, uh, yeah, go ahead and cut your hair and then just, you know, hop on a plane to Austin. Go ahead and come on back. That haircut is atrocious. And, like, the fact that he's got, like, I don't know if his color is blonde or brown or whatever highlight he put in on the opposite colors that I just That's listed, like, but it is it. tough to look at. Like, it is. It makes me doubt his talent ability of throwing a football because of the way. It's like, you're not even sunshine. Like, you can't yeah. even be that because I don't know what's going on. It's the most Texas thing I think I've ever seen. But his, like, schools that he's interested in. Every single one of them in the state of Texas. Um, I did see reports yesterday that he has already talked to Coach Sarkeesian at -hmm. Texas. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Uh, But also is set to meet with schools like Texas Tech, where um, our guy Patrick Mahomes was already tweeting about it. I said, no, please no. Do not. You do not need to speak to him. I'm going to file a restraining order for Quinn Ewers against (laughs) Patrick Mahomes. But also TCU and Texas A&M I think is going to be a big one to watch because they have one hell of a recruiting class. And another thing with Quinn Ewers is he already talked about um, guys that he would want to take with him. Mm-hmm. And at first when I saw that, I thought he meant Ohio state guys. And that kind of seemed shitty to me to be like, Oh yeah, I'm here for a year, but now I'm pulling all of my recruits with <laughs> yeah. me. Uh, but it seems like he's still very much in touch with a lot of the guys 
from this recruiting class, which would have been his recruiting class. And so I think a lot can change. We have the early signing period in December. I think it's like next week or so. We'll see what happens there. But I do think that he's going to make a big difference in recruiting as well. And then, you know, hopefully on the field too. And so in about two weeks this time, we could be the most excited Texas fans in the country. Yeah, I will be pretty excited about it too. And I know that our, our guy, Jim Nagy, who runs the Senior Bowl, even talks about seeing Queen Ewers throw the ball live mm-hmm. and talked about how special his arm talent is. This is a guy that not too long ago had Josh Allen in the Senior Bowl. You know, they're, <laughs> He's seen arm talent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's already talking about how great Queen Ewers is. So it, it's going to be either very exciting for us as Texas fans or I'm going to be in a depressed state because he goes to A&M. Yeah, that's really going to Like, if he goes to Texas Tech or TCU, like, dude, you screwed up. Like, you should not have done that. Come on, bub. (laughs) But if he goes to A&M, I I will be a little bit upset. And other guys that are not so much in the transfer portal but looking for different jobs, I was very surprised by this one yesterday. Joe Brady, the Panthers' offensive coordinator, out of nowhere, dude gets fired. I think a lot of people are already even speculating, like, was he fired or is he joining up with somebody like Lincoln Riley or Brian Kelly back at the college ranks? I think both can oh, be true. I didn't even think of that. It was all over Twitter. Yeah, I, I was I at the game fired, when this fired, news though. broke. Like Matt actually told me. I was just like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I was very surprised. But I think people are maybe getting a little ahead of themselves. I think this was a move to where the Panthers looked at that offense and thought, you know, this isn't really working for us. We gave you a chance with Teddy Bridgewater. We gave you Sam Darnold, which are not good quarterbacks, by the way, and then Cam Newton. But it just it hasn't been successful, so I think they're looking for a move. And I think that he might look back at the college football world and say, okay, I was, I was pretty dominant there. I could yeah. probably go make a good couple million as a coordinator at USC or back to LSU. Or maybe he does. I mean, he was rumored for some offense, head coaching jobs in the NFL last year. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I feel bad for the guy because you go from a Joe Burrow and just an insane amount of talent on the LSU offense the year that they go and win a national title. You go to the Panthers, like, well, it's awesome. They have these weapons. You know what I mean? They they brought in Robbie Anderson. They got DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. This year in the draft, they, you know, they got an athletic tight end. uh, Is it Trimble? Um, Matt's a huge fan of him as well. And so it was like, okay, well, hey, they have the playmakers here on this offense to be good except the one position that matters most, and that's a quarterback. Yeah, and it just looked good with Sam position. Donald early, and then it just was not. Like, I mean, the fact that you had to go from a Teddy Bridgewater, like, or you started with a Joe Burrow, and then you go to a Teddy Bridgewater, and then you go to a Sam Donald, and then a Cam Newton. Cam Newton had one decent game, and his biggest plays were with his legs. The next week against Washington, he's trying to throw the ball across the middle of the field, once again putting his entire upper body into the throw in like a jerking fashion. Interception, like duh. I bet Joe Brady's like, my God, I'm done. Get me out of here. Yeah, maybe like, it was if me. One person calls me. If you are not going to give me a quarterback, I'm bouncing. Yeah, and I do think that it's maybe a little premature. I mean, it's been a year and a half, and like we've been talking about, he just not had a quarterback around him at all. And I was all about the Sam Darnold thing. Let's see if it works. It's not working. It's done. <laughs> he is not a starter in the NFL. And now you're playing like PJ Walker at quarterback, who I love the story. It's not a starter in the NFL either. Nope. So, I mean, he's been playing with backups. And even Teddy Bridgewater, like, technically, he is a starter in the NFL. He's the bottom of the barrel, though. Yeah. It has not been good for uh, for Teddy Bridgewater. So, we'll see what happens with Joe Brady. I I know there's a lot of talk that he doesn't like recruiting in college. And that's one of the reasons why he went to Carolina was to get away from having to recruit. So, we'll see. Um, He's also, you know, kind of backed into a corner a little bit. You can't be as choosy when you don't have a job. Yeah. So we'll see if the NFL is still interested in him as an offensive coordinator or, you know, Cliff Kingsbury is a guy who got fired, took a job as a college offensive coordinator. And then the, the NFL said, you know what? Actually come up here to the NFL. <laughs> We're ready for you to be a coach. <laughs> well, he's going to be the Giants next head coach or something. We're going to be like, Oh, look at that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Somebody will take the chance. The crazy thing about the NFL though, is it, it can work because they will, they'll just say, okay, Here's our offensive guru. We'll pair him with a great defensive coordinator. And it's been very successful. I mean, the Rams, the Cardinals, yeah. both doing that. It's it's crazy how it works out, and it's so different. Like, it's the same sport, but they're playing two different worlds almost with college football. And then uh, another big one yesterday that I was actually pretty excited to see, the Lions finally get a win. 
And uh, I, I'm happy about it. I don't know why. I'm not a Lions yeah. fan. I'm not crazy about Dan Campbell. I don't like Jared Goff. I know why you're happy. His girlfriend's about it. hot. Yeah, there it is. I'm glad we got that video. She's just she's just so happy for him. Sadly, though, I think I'm like the only maybe guy in the world who realized this beforehand that Jared Goff's girlfriend was hot. You even came in this morning and you were talking about it. It's like, yeah, actually, uh, I already knew that though. No, I knew who his girlfriend was. I just meant like the initial video. Yeah. Like a, that video is winning, getting more attention than the actual Lions winning. Well, the football one of game. the videos is much more impressive than the other one. Yes, <laughs> but it is. And cool it was the one that Jared Goff was not in. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, well, that, speaking of that game, what in the world were the Vikings doing on that last play? Uh, not playing defense. I, they just gave them the win, like legitimately. Like the Lions, you just need to send a thank you basket to the Vikings to the secondary because that was. Awful defense. I probably watched it 20 times. And yeah. not just pure excitement for the Lions. It was like, okay, hey, happy for him. Good job. But what the hell are you doing backing up 10 yards when the receiver's running into the end zone? Like, you just stand on that line. I guarantee you, Jared Goff's not getting the ball over you and then right. inbounds. Like, if it's make over him you, make it's a difficult throw, Not a yeah. seven-yard slant route or whatever it was. It's ridiculous. It was crazy. Um, how about this one, too, though? I, I know you were at the Chiefs game yesterday, so you might not have got to see the game. But I watched the Steelers-Ravens game as I laid on my couch trying not to die yesterday uh, from being out Saturday night. This game was so boring until the very last possession. And the Ravens get the ball back, and they're driving down the field. They score. They're down seven. They score a touchdown. And that drive, I will tell you, I'm setting it up here. They did pretty much whatever they wanted. They Mm -hmm. drove the ball right down the field. It looked very good. They score a touchdown. And then Harbaugh decides to go for two. And a lot of people, with the benefit of hindsight today, are shitting on it, saying, you should have kicked the field goal. You have Justin Tucker. That's an automatic. But what I think, I think he made the right call. Yeah. And I think that he made the right play call as well. It was there. I mean, Mark Andrews was open, and Lamar Jackson, he just didn't make the throw. I mean, Mark Andrews probably could have um, maybe done a little bit more to catch the ball. I wouldn't call it a drop, though. Yeah. But, I mean, it was there. It was open. So, a lot of people can say and look back and say they should have kicked the field goal. I think they made the right call to go for two. Sometimes you just got to put your nuts on the line. (laughs) Uh, If I remember correctly, that game was on in the stadium as we were walking to our seats. And the moment we got to him and we're kind of getting settled in, we look up and that play happens and the entire stadium just erupted. Like, yeah. It did the same with uh, the Raiders losing when Washington hit the game winning field goal. Like Broncos fans and Chiefs fans are like high fiving, like, heck yeah, Raiders lost. And uh, there's speaking of the Raiders, there was a Raiders fan at the game, like multiple of them. And I was talking to him, I was like, who do you guys root for in this situation? I mean, we just love football. No, I get Good it. But like, it's hard to watch a game and not just pick which team you want to win. Yeah. Like, Usually I find myself with a rooting interest in almost every game. But you know what? The Alabama-Georgia game, I didn't have a – I wasn't rooting for anyone. Really? Yeah, that's like one of the only team games where I've watched this year. I'm like, I honestly don't care who wins. Or even if I don't care who wins, there's like somebody that I'm cheering for. It's like they'll do a good play or something. I'm like, oh, awesome. <laughs> Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Not Alabama, Georgia. It was just like, oh my God, I can't believe Alabama's doing it. Yeah. And even watching like the Ravens Steelers game, I had no rooting interest there, but I found myself not liking Ben Roethlisberger anymore. And uh, what was it like on Saturday night? Adam Schefter, I think it was right at the start of the SEC championship game. Shefty is tweeting out about like, oh, this might be Ben Roethlisberger's last year in Pittsburgh. Yet yeah, no shit. Adam, have you seen him play this year? <laughs> It's been absolutely terrible. So this was another situation. Well, Shefty, he's he's getting on the bad list. I'm trying to enjoy other college football moments, and you're trying to tweet about this nonsense going on in the NFL? Step back, bro. Let college football have its moment. At 3 o'clock on Saturday, no one cares about Ben Roethlisberger's future. We're about to see Alabama and Georgia play. Take a back. But it was also me. like a no-shit type of tweet from him. Like, this guy, we watched him early in the year. Tweet me the breaking news, the big news. <laughs> yeah. Not that some shitty quarterback's not going to be a shitty quarterback next. I mean, the fact that we watched this guy at the beginning of the year try to roll out to his right and his legs just say, we're done working, and he falls. It's like, yeah, he's done. Yeah, This guy had elbow surgery two years ago. Has to come out and admit, like, hey, uh, been using my elbow a little bit too much off the field. 
think I got <laughs> right. that addiction figured out. I'm a brand new man, as yeah. Mark Brooks or uh, Brooks and Dunn once said. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just kind of one of those situations like, yeah, we know, Adam, this is not good. But for them to come out and get the victory, I did say that I think the Steelers would cover, which they did. I didn't think they would win. No, I also I thought it would be the demise of the Steelers. It might have been the demise of the Ravens, honestly, because they're just getting injured, and it's like they're falling apart as well. Like the AFC North, it's just whoever's healthy at the end of the year, I think, wins that division. Yeah, it's really it's, it's not looking good. And, you know, watching the games yesterday, they keep showing, like, if the season ended now, these would be the teams in the playoffs. It looks pretty good on the AFC side of things. As of right now, the New England Patriots would have the one seed, but they do play tonight. Tennessee Titans would be the two seed. The Ravens would be the three seed. Chiefs would be the four seed. And then you'd have the Bills and Chargers getting in as well. I feel like those are six pretty good teams. And then that also leaves teams like, you know, the Bengals, the Steelers, the Colts. Right there. Every, there's so many good teams in the AFC that are in the hunt. And then you look at the NFC side of it. The Cardinals are the number one seed. Okay, you're 10-2. Mm-hmm. and two. Your quarterback's been hurt all year, but that's okay. Green Bay Packers, number two. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the three seed. And the Dallas Cowboys are the four seed, which is all great. The Rams are the five seed. The sixth seed, which would make the playoffs right now, is the Washington football team. At six and six. (laughs) And then after that, it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe the 49ers will make it. Or maybe the Eagles will make it. It's so stupid how many bad teams there are in the NFC right now. Like, honestly, just like... Just play the AFC side. Whoever wins it, do your Because like that's the everyone's going to look at the AFC like, man, the AFC just really sucks this year. Or the AFC is kind of good, and everyone's just beating each other. Yeah, like it, any given Sunday type of moment. Like, yeah, we don't know who's going to show up. And that question revolves strictly around two teams in the AFC right now for me, and that's the Chargers and the Bengals. For the love of God, one of you just figure it out, please, because yeah. it is so hard watching you guys play and trying to get excited like Justin Herbert's back. Joe Burrow's back. Well, yeah, even they played Never each mind. other yesterday, and it's like, okay, well, the Chargers won, and it looked really easy, but maybe the Bengals suck. So I yeah. don't. And, and I get Joe Burrow had the injured pinky. Like, did you see that picture of his hand? No, but it it's looked a pinky, pretty gnarly. So I, I, it was swollen up. Like his finger looked like I'm sure, size. but yeah, you don't use your pinky to throw a football. What? I'm sure that it maybe helps a little bit with grip, but it is. I think it's pretty unnecessary. You don't need it at all. I don't know. I feel like that's going to be – I want to see throw football. I feel like if you're using your pinky to throw a football, I'm not an expert on the topic. You're probably doing it wrong. It's all about the grip and the motion, though, when you're bringing the ball Yeah, out of like – you need three fingers. Your thumb, index, and tall man. I think you're disrespecting it. What? Tall man. (laughs) Middle finger? (laughs) You're tall man. That's what we called him um, in preschool. All right. Where is tall man? Okay. That's pretty good. I think you're disrespecting the pinky a little bit. It's like if you I don't lost think your I am. Pinky, I think so. you're giving the pinky too much credit. Do I have a football in here? Uh, I do actually right behind me. Do you? You're going to throw it at me, aren't you? I don't, but I'm telling you, this pinky does not need to touch the ball. Well, yeah, you're holding like a child-sized ball where a preschool would need it. Uh-huh. But I'm telling you, any average-sized football, you don't use your pinky to throw the ball. I feel like it's going to slip out of my hand. I'm holding the football right now. (laughs) No, That pinky is on that last lace. It's a little snug. (laughs) As a quarterback, if you're like, hey, you have to break a bone in your body, I'd be like, pinky. (laughs) Immediately pinky. Now I'm not messing with my feet, my knees, legs, anything else. I'm going to trip over this. Uh, It would be pinky. Obviously, throwing non-throwing hand first, but yeah, your pinky is just so (laughs) unnecessary. So if he misses games for this, he won't because he's a tough guy. Like, you can't, you can't do it. You got to play through a pinky. So uh, Joe Burrow's out with a pinky injury. He's going to lose a lot of respect from me. Yeah, but he uh, said he wasn't going to miss any games. I think he said that. No, after I the think game. that he'll be fine. He is. He's a tough guy. Like he will honestly probably play better. That's kind of been his mo for his entire career. Uh, but looking at that playoff picture, a huge game tonight uh, in Monday Night Football. We get the Bills hosting. The Patriots in this one. I'm very excited about this one. I, I've been let down by so many primetime games this year. Like last even last night. night, the Chiefs and the Bron- uh, Broncos played. I wasn't even that excited about that one because I didn't think it was going to be close. But I think this is one of the best games on the NFL schedule all year long. It's going to be played in Buffalo. It's going to be cold, 36 degrees with a chance of snow with the Patriots. Bills are a minus three favorite. I think that I'm going with the Patriots in this one, but I, we're going to find out a lot about both these teams. Patriots have been winning so many games 
over some bad teams. I thought the Bills were one of the best teams in football coming into this season. They've dropped four games so far. So we'll find out tonight. But I do think that um, I'm going to take the Patriots to cover this one. I think they can play it close. I don't think the snow is going to matter. And the Bills have just been so inconsistent for me that I think I'm buying into the hype of the Patriots. Damn. I'm a little surprised to hear that, actually, because I'm going to go with the Bills. And the reason is because we talked last week about just the schedule for the Patriots just not being that difficult. Mm-hmm. So I thought we might be on the same page here. No worries, though. I'm actually I am going to take the Buffalo Bills mainly because it's not to just like doubt the Patriots. But again, I think the Bills, it, it is prime time. It's a home game for them. They're going to be ready to roll. They know they haven't looked very good the last couple of weeks. They did play New Orleans on Thanksgiving. That just ended up turning into a blowout. But I think this is an opportunity for the Bills to remind everybody, yeah, we're still pretty fucking good. And yeah. everyone's talking about the Patriots. You've, you're overlooking us already. It's fine. It's whatever. I'm expecting a huge game out of Josh Allen. I bet Stefan Diggs has a good game. They really haven't had a running game all year, but I feel like this is the game where we do look at Buffalo and go, yup, that's the team to beat in the AFC, even over Kansas City. I was at that game last night. That stadium was dead. There was no energy. It there were no big plays. It was tough to watch. Watching it on TV. And I didn't know if it was the stadium. I didn't know if it was the broadcast. It, it just it was not exciting. It was just one of those deals where it, it was boring because there was no explosive plays by the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. What like The defense was doing what you expected it to. If it wasn't for the defense having a couple interceptions, it probably would have been silent in there. Like Everyone probably would have started sitting down. And I think one thing that we've been talking about a lot lately is a lot of people have been impressed by the defense of the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I'm still sitting back and saying, like, do it against a good team. Yeah, Even right with the Broncos. With like, okay, that's... You allowed nine points. That's phenomenal. That's an. I like team. it in the way that the defense kind of gets their confidence up. You know what I mean? They believe in themselves. <laughs> Before they like, finally play a good team. Exactly. Where they can like, Tyron Matthews not throwing his hands up every other play, wanting to know why Daniel Sorensen's not in deep coverage mm-hmm. and he's going after the quarterback. That's not happening right now, which is good. And the defensive line's getting pressure that you love to see. But like you said, like, do it against the team that's actually good, that has their weapons out there or their actual quarterback playing. And offensively, I'm really getting annoyed with the, we're not playing our best ball yet on offense. We're 13 weeks into this season. <laughs> like You are who you are yes. at this point. <laughs> and I tweeted it last night, but like everyone's been saying, like, give Byron Pringle some opportunities, like over McCall Hardman. They don't trust him. Byron Pringle has like four drops last night. Josh Gordon, you pick him up in the middle of the season. He's not even on the field last night. Travis Kelsey yep. drops. Tyreek Hill drops. It is just painful to watch and so again with tonight in this matchup with the new england and buffalo this is an opportunity for either one of these teams to go yeah we're it yeah because no one else is stepping up right right now. even uh, like said like the ravens they lost yesterday it didn't look great for them and all the other teams they have really bad losses this year the chiefs included uh, i'm not trying to sound like a homer and that's why i'm almost looking at the Patriots of like this is the team that's peaking at the right time. Uh, we'll recap it tomorrow and really look at it. Mm-hmm. We will find out a lot about both these teams, but I, I am very excited about that one. Um, also, let's get to our last of these sponsors though. Club Six Hundred Nine. A special shout out, thank you uh, to them for handling a huge reservation that we had this weekend <laughs> and getting us on there, taking good care of us. Had a wonderful time at Six Hundred Nine, and you will too. Don't forget about their great two for one drink specials. $2 draft pours, and that happy hour runs from 2 o'clock until 8 p.m. And on the weekends, 11 a.m. until 8 p.m. on a Saturday. I can't believe that that is even something you can legally do, but they do it at 6.09, <laughs> and it is a phenomenal time. It is, and uh, another place that has phenomenal service is downtown Lou. Be sure to visit them right here in Joplin, Missouri, right off Main Street. And first, Mark Edder, the biggest KU fan I know, and how he constantly reminds us that KU beat Texas in Austin. I want to say it's almost become overbearing, but I love it at the same time because he's just so happy and he deserves it. Mark Edder and the guys at Downtown Lube pride themselves on getting you in and out as quickly as possible. They do specialize in tires and lube, but they are much more than that. So visit their website at downtownlube.com for their full list of services. And there's a lot of talk in the NFL still um, about the end of the season. We're, we're getting pretty close. We're about a month away. And much like the college football world, I don't think that we have a favorite for the MVP right now. And it's been weird all season, kind of waiting for somebody to kind of take the reins and take control of it. You know, Matt Stafford has been up there, Tom Brady at points, Josh Allen, Kyler Mm -hmm. Murray. We've had so many guys be the MVP favorites, and then something happens. 
And I do wonder if this is a year that we see somebody else come through and take the award. I know that I saw on Twitter this morning a lot of people even talking about, this is Tom Brady's award, but has he really done enough to deserve it? I don't know if he has. But I think that it's stupid that we're not considering these other positions because I think there are two very worthy MVP candidates right now. The only thing holding them back is that they don't play quarterback, which is so stupid that we're doing. Like if we are just going to name it the quarterback award, do it like, you know, the John Elway award or something like that. The Joe Montel, name it after Brady, the yeah. Tom Brady <laughs> award for the best quarterback every year, name it that, and then give somebody else the MVP. But Jonathan Taylor, what he's doing on the ground for the Colts, he's keeping that team alive. 100%. If it weren't for him, they would not even be in. I mean, he had what? 32 carries this last game. I mean, it's just every week. It's it's kind of like what we were seeing with Derrick Henry before he got hurt to where he is the Tennessee Titans. And now Jonathan Taylor is the Indianapolis Colts. And that team sitting at 7-6, and six, there's no way they've won two or three games without him. And so I think that there's a very strong case to make for Jonathan Taylor, the leading rusher in the NFL, to win the MVP. I mean, I grew up in a time where if you did that, yep, it was like a no-brainer. Oh, yeah. And it's like that's the thing with Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup is – no one's figured out how to slow them down this season. Like even Cooper Cup having a big game last week and I or yesterday, excuse me. I know it was against Jacksonville. But still to have like eight catches, a hundred and some yards and a touchdown is like, mm-hmm. my God, guys. Like yep. just double team the dude. They don't, they're not getting the ball to anybody else. Well, of course Odell ends up scoring as well, which I thought he was out with the hip injury. We talked about that on Friday. Do you see everybody freaking out about his touchdown celebration? The self revive because of the like call yeah. of duty. Stupid. I don't play Call of Duty, so I didn't yeah. get it. But I did think that it was kind of funny that he fell down because Twitter blew up when that happened. Oh, like, yeah. oh God, he hurt himself celebrating, which seems very much like something Odell would do. Yeah, I mean, he's hit himself <laughs> in the face with a kicking net. Yeah. So, I mean, other guy, yeah, Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup. Now, I should say I'm very biased because those were two of my guys coming out of the draft. <laughs> but, I mean, Jonathan, Cooper Cup, I feel like it's going to be very hard for a receiver to win it. But like mm-hmm. the fact that he's still tearing it up. I mean, another guy that I think is kind of going into the radar, like Justin Jefferson, 11 receptions, 182 yards and a touchdown. They end up losing the game, you know, at that last second. But like him, George Kittle, Chris Godwin, T. Higgins, Russell Gage, all of them had huge games this weekend. But Cooper Cup, it's like, yeah, we know. It's every week. Exactly. Like That's the thing. Like Russell Gage, probably the first time we mentioned his name all season, Cooper Cup, week after week after mm-hmm. week. And with Cooper Cup, you mentioned it, it's going to be hard for him to win the award as a receiver. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's true. It, it shouldn't be that way, but it is true. And because a lot of the attention that he's going to get is going to go to Matt Stafford as well. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they're going to split votes with each other. But what Cooper Cup is already doing this year, I mean, he has 100 catches that leads the league. He has 1,300 yards that leads the league. He has 11 touchdowns. That also leads the league. He's leading all three categories. And really, like nobody else is even that close. Like, yeah, in touchdowns, they are yards. Justin Jefferson is like 150 yards from him, and mm-hmm. he's number two in the league. Yeah, Keenan Allen, second in catches, tied with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. They have 86 catches. Damn. 14, that's two, three good games that they're behind him. So I, yeah. I think what he's doing this year – has been extraordinary. Even without Robert Woods on the field, like going down to an injury. Right. You think, oh, well, the defense is now all the attention's on Cooper Cup. Dude's still going. Yeah. It's a similar story with Jonathan Taylor, who leads the league in rushing attempts, but also, I mean, almost 400 yards in front of Joe Mixon already. 400 yards. That's that's eight good games as a running back almost. And then Jonathan Taylor has 16 rushing touchdowns. So I really hope that both those guys do get some attention. This isn't an award that should just be given to the quarterbacks because they are the most important position. And there are a lot of really good quarterbacks out there. I get it, but like give somebody else a chance. Yeah. It doesn't have to be Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers every year. Let's look at some of the guys who are uh, the, the most important. Yeah. Uh, most important to their team and stuff like that. And another guy that I wanted to talk about on the opposite side of the ball, uh, Micah Parsons. He's so damn good. <laughs> I know a lot of people are talking about him, and I think we can end the discussion of who's going to be the defensive rookie of the year because it's not even close. Anymore. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, definitely him. A lot of, like, some Chiefs fans are listening might go, well, you know, Nick Bolton's looked pretty good, too. That's that's fair. Like, Micah Parsons, like, that was also the beginning of the season with uh, Nick Bolton. Anthony Hitchens is back. He's losing some reps. Micah Parsons has single-handedly advance that defense for the Dallas Cowboys is just phenomenal. 
Yeah. And it's like a, I know Diggs is having a good season too in the secondary, but like Michael Parsons, Patrick I wonder how many interceptions he's caused. I think that Michael Parsons is one of the best defensive players in the league, and I don't care how old he is. Yeah. I think that he really he should start to get looks as the defensive MVP. He's outplayed almost everyone and his versatility at linebacker to be a pass rusher, to drop in coverage, to do everything that he does is absolutely ridiculous. And this, Micah Parsons has been on my radar for a very long time. I can remember like, people talking about him as a high school recruit. He was great at Penn State, and I knew that he was going to be good. And throughout the draft process last year, I said, this is the best linebacker I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Right? I've seen the Devin White, Devin Bush, um, Isaiah Simmons. There have been some really good linebackers lately. None of them stood up to what Micah Parsons was able to do. And I know a lot of other people were saying that, too. It's not like I'm the only person who had that take. But, man, is he living up to the hype. And so I thought I wanted to mention him talking about the MVP. The defensive player, probably not going to win it. But what he's doing is phenomenal. Watch any game that the Cowboys are on and listen to the broadcast talk about him as well. This isn't just like media hype either. It's legitimate hype. (laughs) I think he's going to be a very, very special player for a very long time to come, uh, especially with the Cowboys. He's, he's going to get so much attention. Who do you think does win the defensive player of the year? Do you think is it is TJ Watt? I mean, he has 16 sacks, a quiet 16 sacks. How about we just make a segment and we talk about all my favorite guys in the NFL? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what we're doing. Yeah, TJ Watt is right up there. And he continues to just be dominant as well. And I think he leads the league in sacks. Mm-hmm. It has 16. But I, he's also like missed some games. Right? Which is like, I don't, miss, so I, maybe miss some reps. I don't know if he's missed. That's games, the thing but. with TJ Wise. Like, I feel like we've heard several times this year, like, "Hey, he might not play this week," or like, "He's not going to." And yeah. then he is there. Like it was this past week, and I thought he was out. Yeah, he's up playing. Too. I was like, uh, "Okay, I'm confused. I don't know who to trust anymore." That list was very small already because you guys tease me so much. Can't trust you. Nope. But now it's like, well, I can't even trust Adam Schefter. <laughs> right. Come on. <laughs> yeah, who's who's really tweeting? Is that the agent? <laughs> is it the GM? Whose words are those? Who sent that message? Who pressed send? Is that copy and paste? What happened there? Is that uh, copy and paste? Even last night in the game, he ends up with three and a half sacks. And he's banged up, TJ Watt is. So it is. It's it's crazy what he's doing. But again, those we just talked about four of my favorite players in the NFL. Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, Micah Parsons, and TJ Watt. So you're going to throw in a like Fitzpatrick day. too? <laughs> yeah. So we can build it out of all the guys that I love. Uh, but uh, speaking of guys that I love, I also love the coaching carousel, and I do wonder what's next in the NFL. We are getting to that time in December to where NFL teams start firing their coaches. Yep. And I do wonder about some of these guys, who's going to be next, and who's going to get fired. It's going to happen. I know I saw a lot of rumblings already coming out of Minnesota with that. I mean, you lose to the Lions. Yep. It kind of sounds like there might be a coaching change coming there. And I do think that we could look at some of these other jobs, too. We just saw Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, get fired. So I, I wonder who else is going to be on the chopping block this year. I mean, Mike Zimmer was the first name that came to my mind. Uh, judge in New York for the Giants. I think they're just going to blow that entire thing up. I mean, if you're already finding yeah. Jason Garrett, you know, a couple weeks ago into the season, or this far into, excuse me, this far into the season, like the blame's got to keep going up the ladder here because you're still not very good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm probably going to be wrong because it seems like every year there's about five or six guys that get fired. Yeah, it, it feels like they're. Not going to be that many guys this year. I mean, Nagy's got to be another one. Yeah, right? Nagy like, and Zimmer have to, to go and judge. So that's three. And with Seattle, I don't think Carroll's going to get fired, but I think he might retire. He might leave, yeah. Yeah. So that's four. Those are really about the only four that I see. Maybe I'm missing one that's like obvious. Fangio and Denver. Yeah. So there we go. There's five guys that are probably going to get fired. <laughs> Bingo. Figured it out. Yeah, I do agree with you, though. I think Zimmer probably going to be the first one to go. Although I don't know how Joe Judge is sticking around, he's it's not working out. I mean, seriously, you're making play. I mean, the off season, all we hear is just you know the negative stuff going on. You know, like he's making players run at practice; they're running laps. Mm-hmm. What is this middle school? <laughs> right, you guys are getting paid millions of dollars, and you got them running laps. Get uh-huh. out of here! Yeah, uh, their commitment is there. This is their career. This isn't <laughs> something they're doing as a hobby or something that their dad's making. You talking in the huddle? Run, <laughs> right? Out. Yeah, but I do love it. Sucks because I do love it so much, and people are getting fired and having to like <laughs> uproot their whole life. Yeah, 
but is it it's exciting to see I mean I get it for next. a little bit like you're still getting million you still got a million dollars in the bank account. Yeah, I you're saw probably going to get another earlier. assistant or a consultant job somewhere. Yeah, I saw a tweet that was talking about some of the uh coaching payouts for the guys that got fired. They're not living bad. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you that. Coach O is getting paid 17 million dollars to not coach at LSU. Dude, 17. I would go on – I'd spend an entire year not on He's going to be, like, on a boat somewhere. Oh, yeah. Probably not even, like, a nice one. He's They're just like going to see this guy taking a, like, a running with his shirt off in Italy. Like, go Tigers. Like, you, I bet you're not his coach anymore. He stays in Baton Rouge, though, which will probably make things awkward. But I bet he is like, I'm not moving. I like it here. I have three <laughs> girlfriends here. I wonder if uh, Brian Kelly's going to let me bring him to practice still. Oh, shit. <laughs> still got like sweet – I bought – I'm a season ticket holder. <laughs> Yeah, special uh, appearance from him or something. Yeah, or he'll be like a season ticket holder. I bet he hasn't attended his last LSU game. Oh, absolutely not. He'll come back for something. He's is he from Baton Rouge? I he's or from is he Louisiana. just from the state of Louisiana. I assume he's from Louisiana. Okay. I don't actually know. He's got to be. I also if not, love it he's when, like an honorary Louisiana. I love it when you ask someone like, "Where are you from?" They're like, "I'm from the state of Louisiana." From the state of the Georgia, thing? Yeah. there are a lot of parts of Missouri I don't claim. <laughs> yeah. Where are you from, Missouri? You mean Missouri? No, nowhere near that boot hill. That's for sure. God, Mm-mm. no, nope, no. But it is going to be exciting, and uh, it's also like forewarning. It's Eric Bieniemy season. <laughs> People are going to be super pissed off when his name isn't mentioned for every job. Uh, they better not be because uh, I think he's the one doing the play calling in Kansas City right now, and it is. I talked about it earlier. This offense is. I've hypothesized that (laughs) earlier this year. You've done what? Huh? What have you done? Hypothesized. Hypothesized. That's a big word for you. (laughs) It was. Not for me. This year, Andy Reid gave play calling duties over to Eric Bieniemy. And that offense has not looked good. So good luck this year getting those jobs. I know that there used to be like a running list of places that Eric Bieniemy had interviewed for. Mm-hmm. I think Homie's just trying to get all thirty-one because <laughs> I like even there were rumors earlier in the middle of the year with USC, like oh man, that's a spot you yeah. can go. Nope. I mean, at this point, I just kind of want him to go so we can stop talking about it. Like I've reached Elevate. that point. Like yeah. just just go. <laughs> See ya. Love you. Appreciate it. Players yeah. love you. Next yeah. guy, Mike Kafka. Get ready, bub. You're up next. I, I would think hate he's for the a next guy, coach for the Chiefs after Andy retires. Maybe so. I would hate for Eric Bieniemy. Like he should be getting interviews, and race should not play a part in it either way. He shouldn't no. get interviews because he's black, and he shouldn't be denied interviews because he's black. But at some point, you do have to look at it. And I know we've talked about this a lot before. At some point, you do have to look at it and say, like. <laughs> Maybe it is just on you. Maybe you're not interviewing well. Maybe you're not doing something that teams like because mm-hmm. he's interviewed and it's just for so what crazy. Is it, is it 17 jobs that he's interviewed for? I think so. And it's crazy to think or hear, you know, the rumors uh, that he's just not good at interviews because you listen to this guy and like those weekly press conferences that he does with the local media in Kansas City and like the inspiring speeches that he has. Like you could tell like players in the locker room, like it works for them. Like it, Players love him. Everyone talks so highly about him. And then it's like you get to an interview, and it's like he's the most boring person in the world. It's like, well, okay, it's an interview for a football coach. You just not just going to – I don't know. Maybe it's just my mind, and I don't want to come off as like a homer for it. Like, how wild do you need to be in an interview for a guy who just wants to come in and coach football? Yeah. Like, are they going to be that exciting of a person? Or it's like, yeah, I want to come in. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to take care of business. Going to take care of the players. We're going to go win football games. Is that yeah. not enough? Well, it's so much of what the coach has to do, though. It's going to be like scheduling that, yeah. that day-to-day stuff. Here's your practice schedule, and this is when we leave, this is when we eat. And so I think that has a lot to do with it, too. Yeah. But we'll see. Like I said, it's almost Eric Bieniemy season to where a lot of people are going to be pissed off that he's not a head coach somewhere, which is weird, too, because Chief fans get so upset. And they're like, why isn't he becoming a head coach? It's like, do you want him to leave? <laughs> Because if you love him so much, you, like I get wanting him to get his opportunity somewhere, but at the same time, you should be pretty happy you're retaining. Hey, if you love something, you just got to let it go, right? But if it comes back, it's all yours. Yeah, exactly. That's what I heard. Uh, and let's let this thing go today. We're already over an hour, but we will be back tomorrow. Don't forget about our great sponsor to end the show, Roper Kia. Go check out their inventory. If they don't have what you're looking for, 
they will help you find it. Uh, I know that you know this big country. My entire family only buys cars from Roper Keith. And you guys buy a shit ton of them. My God. Yes. <laughs> Respectfully. I feel like every other month, maybe like six months, you guys are like getting a new car. There's one of us in particular. Yeah. Who's listening. <laughs> Who often has a new car? <laughs> Good luck finding this man. He's street. had three or four this this calendar year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's, and it's not like he just gets a car and then leaves it alone. It's like he rebuilds it and then goes next. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Next, I loved you. But that's part of the great people at Roper Kia's. They will hook you up with a great deal. Mention us at Mike's Up, and they'll give you one thousand dollars off your nicer newer ride. Big Country and I are going to be back tomorrow at ten a.m. right here on the Call In app. We thank you guys for joining us today.